startuprad.io, your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome, everybody. This is Joe from Startuprad.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany. Today, I would like to welcome the a female founder. Finally, I'm trying to get as many female founders as I can. And I do have Andrea here. Hey, how you doing? Hi. Hi, Dale. Fine. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me here today. Totally my pleasure. Um, as the people who are watching this can already see, uh, your company is called ActiTrax. Yes. Is that the right yeah. pronunciation? Yeah, that's it. And it's a biotech startup from the city I was born in, the city of Mainz. But we'll soon get into that. First, let us talk a little bit about who you are and what you did. And for everybody who's out there, I might tell them you're not only Andrea, you're also a professor at the University Clinic of Mainz. You also have your PhD and you've, you've gotten a lot of awards. Wait. I was scanning through your CV and this is just some of the highlight scholarship of the German National Acad Academic Foundation, Dagmar Eisner Research Award, University Mainz, scholarship Kalkov Rose Foundation Award for Outstanding Qualified Junior Scientist, University of Mainz, Dermato Oncology Award for, from the Society of Dermatological Research, Winner of business plan competition, Science for Life, and and I could go on. So that that is pretty impressive. Can you tell us a little bit how you actually started out? Because my understanding is you 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 studied medicine from the start, right? Yeah, that's it. I'm um, I'm a medical doctor by training, and um, I um, actually I I didn't want to be a researcher or a company founder in the very beginning. I just wanted to be a doctor. And um, at that time, it was really um, hard to, to get a job. And um, I applied for the job as a dermatologist and I got, um, yeah, I got a place, but it was, um, yeah, I, I had to go to the, um, to the lab um, in parallel. So they told me, okay, you can come, but uh, we want you not only to be on the ward, but also to go and do some research. And um, I was not a very fan of that in the very beginning, but um when you um remember or when you see that um actually in dermatology there are a lot of um connections between the clinic and the research um it starts to get very interesting and this is uh why i then did in parallel to my clinical education i did my um yeah my my research and then one came to the other and <laughs> yes now i'm here and uh have founded a company okay so the, the as the doctors usually are, they speak some very strange language. Uh, dermatology, we may tell the audience that skin doctor mostly. Yes. Yeah, that, that very much simplified. Boring. And if you talk about the word, that means that is the actual part where you treat the patients. Yeah, that's it. Um, where the patients are uh, um, either the outward uh, uh, outward patients that come only for a day or so, or so on, or um, also um, the patients that are on a yeah that lie in the bed because they got a treatment or something like that. Mm -hmm. I've I've seen before we get into what you did as a doctor and how it got you to be a biotech entrepreneur. I've seen you studied at McGill University in Canada and um, in Zurich in Switzerland. I, I was wondering when I was reading this, are you into skiing? 
Yes, uh, I am. Uh, nevertheless, my family would laugh now because uh, they are much better than me. But uh, I, I really, uh, I am into skiing and I, uh, I like skiing very much because it's also a family thing at, at our home. And um, yeah, Canada was a great experience because this is a complete uh, other health system. But it, Montreal is a great city. And uh, yeah, you could do a lot of things there in addition to working in the clinics. Did you fall in love with the Montreal bagels? Yeah, I like them very much because they are really sweeter than the normal bagels are because they are with honey. Uh, but I also like uh, the poutine there, um, which is uh, fries with um, sows of uh, um, meat. <laughs> This is also extraordinary, but really, and maple syrup. I love maple syrup <laughs> since I was in Canada. I have to admit, I, I've never gotten into poutine, uh, but but I'm a big fan of maple syrup. Yeah. So are my boys now. Yeah, yeah it's real. I, I put it everywhere you can put it. <laughs> it's, it's really fantastic stuff. Yes. Um, and, but but I do assume you also learned a lot there in the places, uh, di different working, different language. Yeah. How, how was it when you treated your first patient in Canada? To, to, to do it in English, were you scared out of your mind? Um, no, that's quite okay. Um, with English, it was quite okay. I, I have to admit, I choose Canada and Montreal especially because normally I like much more to speak French. And I also can mm. speak a lot better French than I can in, uh, speak English. So um, I try to, to have both at the same time because my parents said you only – Get one, <laughs> paid one excursion um, to the to 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 uh, the foreign countries, and so um, I choose Montreal because in my leisure time I, I spoke French at the clinic. I spoke English, and it was not that hard. I uh, I don't know why, but you read a lot of things also in English when you are doing your medical education. So perhaps it's like. Yeah, a little bit accustomed. But um, I, I um, worked with kids there, and this was funny because they always said, you have to speak very slowly because, because she comes from the other end of the world. This was always what they did say when I started there <laughs> with my English. <laughs> okay, okay. So now we know you studied abroad. You studied in Switzerland. You've been a skin doctor by training. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit now how this story develops into getting um, the technology, the treatment that your company does right now and is waiting? As you said, you're looking at the building uh, for your first patient to start clinical trials. Can you take us a little bit along this journey? Yeah, of course. Um, first, I have to acknowledge that there is um, my colleague, Helmut Jonoleit, um, who is a little bit um, the father of all this, um, too. Um, he, he found it with me together, and he was my mentor in the very beginning in the lab. And if you are working in the lab, um, you see that there are things you can bring into the clinic to the patient 
and um, you can bring also um, things from the patient back to the to the lab. So you call it from bench to bedside because this is uh, yeah uh, yeah this is a circle so to say. And we did, we worked with immune cells and we tried to um, induce tolerance um, with um, a certain um, subgroup of immune cells that are cells that are located in our peripheral blood and that are naturally occurring in our peripheral blood. And um, we developed those cells, we activated them, and we saw that um, they are much more potent in um, yeah, conveying tolerance, so in, in, in um, decreasing um, overshooting immune responses. And an overshooting immune response is, for example, an allergy. So when you are in autoimmunity so or in transplant rejection, those are all diseases that go ahead with overshooting immune responses. And we found the, the cell population that we activated, that we made much more potent, and where we saw in preclinical models um, that we are able to shut down this overshooting immune responses. And this was the first time when we said, okay, this works really good in preclinical models. Why shouldn't we go into the clinic and make a drug out of it? And um, normally you get funded for research with money that is enough for doing basic research, but that isn't enough to develop a company and to found a company. And so we um, applied for a grant from the Federal Ministry of, um, of Research and Education um, because they have a program which is called GoBio and which enables you to take the steps and to have enough money to, to go to, to foundation of a company because you have to do regulatory stuff, which costs money. You have to do... Um, yeah, a lot of things that cost more money than you get by normal grants. And this was um, then the, yeah, the idea to, to, to try to, to get, um, uh, to try to develop a clinical trial and to try to found a company. And um, yeah, this was step by step. And um, I think with this activated regulatory cells, we are really um, able to, um, yeah, to treat patients that have those overshooting immune responses. And I don't know, we will start with um, something that is called graft-as-a-host disease, and that is um, that is a severe side effect after stem cell transplantation in leukemia patients. And those will be our first clinical trial, helping those patients after stem cell transplantation. I do have some medical training being an EMT in the past, but I do believe for a lot of people, you could have said, blah, blah, shaman, shaman, ding, dong, and, and it would have been the same. Try to make it quite comprehensible. <laughs> you did totally fine. Um, basically, let me try to dumb this down so even I would understand it. Yeah. Right now, um, you're waiting for the first patient who has leukemia, meaning um, blood cancer. Yeah. And basically, uh, the chemotherapy erases most or all of the cells that produce blood. The patient gets a transplant. Yeah. And then there is the risk of the body rejecting it, overreacting, as yeah. you said. And your treatment can, for example, help those patients, or that is what you're currently yeah. working on. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's completely right. So this severe side effect, this transplant rejection, this occurs in nearly every second patient after stem cell transplantation, <clears throat> even though there are therapies to prevent. But um, mm -hmm. they do not help 
in 100%. And we try to give the patients activated cells that um, dump down the immune, um, this, this transplant rejection. And um, so they won't get severe um, inflammation at their bodies. They won't die from this side effect. And um, this is what we try to do. Yeah. Do you have any idea how much better it will get from uh, from one in two, maybe to one in three, one in five? Yeah, we hope uh, we hope um, that only at, at the moment every second patient will develop graft as a host disease, and we uh, this transplant rejection, and we hope that um, only every fifth um, patient will get it, or will or um, they will get it in a much more um, easier no not easier how do you say um moderate much much more moderate you know they're at mm -hmm. grades from one to four and four is really incredible and one is really mild and we try mm -hmm. either to um, prevent it completely or um or in in a, a lot less patients or um, to have a moderate form of transplant rejection this would also be an option mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I see. And talking about the that. Point is, how, yeah. Yeah. Ah, sorry, sure, one, one important point. Um, the stem cell transplantation is the only cure for leukemia patients. You have a lot of mm -hmm. stuff, chemotherapies and so on. But stem cell transplantation is the only cure. And at the moment, only 10% of the patients that would Need, uh, that would need a stem cell transplantation get one. And this is because of this, not only uh, you have to found, find a compatible donor first, that's for sure, mm -hmm. but the second major hurdle or major challenge is indeed that they get this transplant rejection. And this is why only 10% worldwide um, get a stem cell transplantation. So if our therapy would prevent this, uh, this uh, transplant rejection, everyone who needs it would get it. And this is what we aim to. How many leukemia patients are we talking every year here? Do you but, have? Yeah, you can say every minute worldwide someone is diagnosed with leukemia from the very little kid to the very aged person. So there are several forms that are not life threatening, but every minute someone worldwide. Yeah. Uh, that makes thousands of patients. Yeah. And we have at the moment, we have about 50,000 um, transplants in Europe so far per year. Mm -hmm. And we could really increase this um, when our therapy would, would be a good one. Okay, I see. So if you say right now 10% of the patients get transplanted, if we have 50,000 each year, you could help somewhere additionally 300 to 500,000 somewhere in this area? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Ooh, that is quite a lot. And then we are only talking about Europe with a population of somewhere, let, let's say, rule of thumb, something like half a billion people. Yeah, but the funny thing is even um, in a, we are um, really um, per year, you have around about um, yeah, 60 to 80,000 transplantations and um, um, Europe is indeed um, the leader in that. So we have about 40 to 45,000 transplantations in the US, you have about 20 to 25,000 and then comes China and um, then comes the rest of the world. So we are quite, uh, the market is quite localized in Europe and the US to be honest. I see, nonetheless, that that's a lot of people you yeah. could help with that, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Fine, uh, definitely. And um, yeah, and um, it is um, still not only um, leukemia you could treat with stem cell transplantation. I don't know whether you heard about those HIV patients, for example. There's one London patient and one Düsseldorf patient, so-called, and they had um, also a stem cell transplantation and they were cured from HIV. And at the moment, you wouldn't give uh, HIV patients a stem cell transplantation because of this severe side effect. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, if this is done, you also have treatment options in this direction. So you can, you can have, yeah, some, uh, some, or some other indications that um, could be treated or prevented with this, um, with this treatment modality. Mm -hmm. And my understanding is this is your, let's say, starting point because with your approach, with the, um, how do you call it? Treatment of the, of those cells, how are, how are those cells called? Um, so those are regulatory cells and they are activated. So we activate them because, um, yeah, they normally they do their job, but uh, when you want to make them more potent and you want to give them kind of a turbo or booster or something like that, you can activate them. And this is a process which is also um, very, very fast. So it's an ultra fast manufacturing process. You get the cells, you isolate them, you activate them and you give them back. It's within 24 hours. Normally, cell therapies need about three to six weeks to to be mm -hmm. uh, applicable. But um, this is not beneficial for patients who are really ill. So um, the mm -hmm. most precious thing is um, time for them. And so our ultra-fast approach is really, I think, um, beneficial for the patients. Mm, I see. I see. That's very, very interesting. Um, uh, and my understanding is that is your starting point like um leukemia stem cell transplants maybe hiv patients but also like uh autoimmune diseases and and much more is theoretically at least yeah. possible with this approach yeah. yeah that's it you could that transfer sounds... it to every disease that is um associated with um those overshooting immune responses so Exactly. I'm, I'm a professor of medicine. What else is out there? Yeah. Um, for example, if, uh, yeah, if you name one disease, uh, could be, for example, multiple sclerosis, which is also, mm -hmm. um, a very, um, yeah, um, high impact disease. You could also go with autoimmune diseases of the skin. Um, yeah, but I, I think there are several possibilities, uh, but I think, um, Every everything is um, in direction overshooting immune responses, and this is also severe allergy syndromes or something like that. But therefore, we still have to develop, or we still have uh, to do preclinical data and so on. So this is always the steps you have to do. Um, you have to have an idea, then you have to do some mm -hmm. basic research, then you have to do some preclinical work, and then you have to discuss with the regulatory authorities, and then you can probably enter into a clinical trial. And uh, yeah. Before we get into um, the, the, the the actual startup process for you, um, I, I was I had a question. Yes, I was wondering where we are right now in this uh, state because if somebody out there has leukemia, this is not an available treatment right now. No. As we said, no. you're waiting for the very first 
patient yeah. here. So this is really, really very early stage. Yeah, it's quite, uh, it's at the moment is a, it's really a clinical trial with um, some patients um, to, to um, look for safety. Um, and this is always the first step. And if we are good at safety, then we can do the next step with some more patients, 100 or something like that, 70 to 100 patients to prove efficacy. So to show that really our cells do what they have to do. And then mm -hmm. you have to go for market approval. But this will completely right. This will take another two to three years. And uh, this is, uh, yeah, always um, remarkable that this all takes this time, but it's like that. It's for the safety of the patients, on the other hand. So um, it's, uh, yeah, it has a reason <laughs> that it takes time. It totally makes sense. Now that uh, people, including me, even understand what you're doing, I, when we talked before this interview, um, that was very, very interesting because um, one of the forces for you founding your startup, your biggest supporters to go do a biotech startup have actually been your kids. Yeah, that's uh, that's it. Um, it's uh, it was really a big step. Um, so I started as a doctor. I did a lot of research, and when this came up um, that I had the possibility to found the company with my colleague, I was really hesitating because um, I like to be a doctor. Um, I have to say, I really like my patients and my job. I'm um, in the um, oncology uh, dealing with skin cancers. I was I was in the oncology dealing with skin mm. cancers. I really was a fan of that. And my kids said, okay, but you can make um, your therapy available to a lot more patients um, than if you stay at the ward uh, or in the clinics and do a little bit of basic research. And... Um, And they told me if it doesn't work, you even you have had a really good experience and uh, you learned a lot and uh, you can still do other things after that. And so it was like um, they didn't see this um, um, as uh, they they wouldn't fear it. So um, and mm -hmm. they said, try it. And only if you try it, you can see what happens. And so, um, yes, we discussed it a lot at our Dine, dinner table <laughs> in the evenings and uh yeah they they said try it and uh i think um that was a really good um yeah um help, help. Mm -hmm. yeah and uh, just to tease you here a tiny bit uh, how much how much do you think it is owned by your kids uh being uh Or like it much more to say, oh, my mom is a biotech entrepreneur than, oh, my mom is a doctor. <laughs> Isn't it a little bit fancier? <laughs> yeah, I think it depends who, who, whom you would ask. <laughs> I think my son is in this direction. Yes. And I think my daughter is more, uh, she, she is quite neutral to that. But, um, I think it's, it's still both because, uh, yeah, um, as I'm doing clinical trials, I, I'm still, um, training my medical, uh, brain, so to say. Um, and I have to, to bring in my knowledge because I'm also responsible for the clinical trial and the building up of the clinical clinical trials and mm -hmm. um so it's uh, it's quite helpful that i i'm a doctor but yeah it's uh so when, in the very beginning they were really um proud <laughs> to say yeah we have now an entrepreneur in our family 
That is good. Um, the, the, the only little downside when you founded the startup, you told me before some of your patients has been set, uh, has, have been very sad when, when you left their treatment in order to found a company. Yeah. The, the, don't worry. Another doctor took over. It's just they, they missed you as a person, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, we, we have enough, uh, really good doctors here and, um, they are also, uh, um, yeah, really nice persons and people, but it's always, yeah, it's, it's nice when, when you have such good, um, feedback from your patients, um, that, uh, that they are glad that you found a company because they also told me that's a good idea to go the next step. Um, because you were a doctor, you, um, did research and now the next step is to develop medications or therapies. Um, but they were sad and that was nice feedback. I was happy. <laughs> That, that is good. Always what makes you happy. So, um, usually we start now with the next steps. I think we, we have been there very much already. So you're waiting for your first patient and two to three years until this treatment gets more available. Hopefully. Yes. Hopefully. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I do believe this will not be last interview with you. I, I really enjoy that here. Um, um, and, and also, for, uh, most people will listen to this interview. We may tell the audience that you are here, the classical one wearing the hoodie. And, um, then I said, Oh, you, you're really classic here. You're wearing a hoodie as an entrepreneur. And you told me, Oh, I prefer that over, over more formal clothing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like that, really. I, I like my doctor coat or, uh, wearing a hoodie. So it's, it's my preference. Yeah. Ah, okay. I see. For um, the people out there who have heard it and who may have a few millions to invest, are you open to talk to investors? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, we really need um, a, a Series B funding uh, um, in in a few months because um, we have now, um, when we finished our cl uh, Phase 1 clinical trial, we want to do the next step to go into the Phase 2-3 um, clinical trial until market approval. And therefore, we, we, uh, we need uh, the next... Um, fundraising. Um, so we are really actually um, open and already discussed with investors. Um, but uh, yeah, we are happy for anyone who, ha who wants to do good, uh, who wants to do good things and to invest in our company, um, helping to build up this, uh, this idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everybody who's listening to this or watching this down here in the show notes, there will be link either to your personal LinkedIn profile or to the company's website. So both both should work uh, unless you're sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> per personal experience, yeah. We've 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 both been going through the uh the the, the flu time here yeah. Yeah, yeah. in Germany. Um, are you also looking for talent, meaning people to hire? Yeah, um, actually, yes, because um, um, at the moment um, we we have. Um, few people who um, do the manufacturing on the one hand and re research on the other hand, I think um, in the next fundraising or in the next round, we will have to, to enlarge our team um, as well as the manufacturing um, mm -hmm. side, but also at the researcher side, because uh, we are, as I told, we are developing um, a new product pipeline and um, we always need people um, that help us um, to do so. Mm -hmm. And for everybody who's now interested, again, go down here in the show notes. There will be a link to your company website and your career website. Yeah. Andrea, 
It has been very much a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Best of luck um, for first the uh, clinical trials, secondly, the fundraising, and thirdly, all of your patients. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure for me. <laughs> totally my pleasure. Have a good day and let us know when your Series B funding yeah, rolls in. For sure. Thank you very much. <laughs> Ciao. Thanks for having me. Ciao. Have a good day. Bye-bye. That's all, folks. Find more news, streams, events, and interviews at www.startuprad.io. Remember, sharing is caring.